the songwriter wrote, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Amen. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. Amen. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. Amen. Please turn to Psalm 22. Amen. Psalm 22. And let me remind us of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a messianic psalm of David. <clears throat> this is, above all others, the psalm of the cross. Psalm 22 is a description of the Son of Man's darkest hours, a record of his heartbreaking cries for help, a testimony of his unwavering trust in his God, and a reminder of his great love for his people. Psalm 22 is a son of God's personal account of the cross. This psalm is his words, yes. his thoughts, his cries, his prayers, his fears, his loneliness, his sorrows, and his sufferings. Right. The cross of Christ is the greatest event in the history of the world. The cross of Christ divides time and divides all men for time and eternity. The wisdom and grace of God planned this glorious event from before the foundation of the world. And it is the accomplished victory of our Lord Jesus Christ of which we will sing and glory for all eternity. The apostle wrote, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, yes. by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Amen. This psalm, along with Isaiah 53, are the two most lengthy prophecies of the work of redemption on the cross. Isaiah speaks of the purpose of the cross, this psalm of his agony and suffering. This psalm is its, is its personal detail by Jesus of Nazareth is far more explicit than the Gospels yes. when it comes to a description of his suffering on the cross. These are the darkest, saddest, most grief-filled hours of the Son of Man. But indeed, these are the hours for which he came. His entire life had been focused on this one event. Yes. Please follow along as I read Psalm 22, the first 21 verses. Psalm 22, 1 through 21. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. Right. But I am a worm, 
and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Amen. Beginning at verse 1, we see the Lord God's the Lord Jesus Christ cried to help. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. These first nine words are the very words that the Lord Jesus Christ spake from the cross. Right. Can you hear the agony and grief in these words of the Son of Man? After almost three hours of darkness, the Lord Jesus cried out from the darkness for his God. According to the gospel accounts, there was darkness over all the land for the, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man, the creature's sin. This was not just a solar eclipse like we will see on Monday for a few minutes. This was the supernatural power of God in sending darkness over all the land for three hours. Right. According to the gospel accounts, there was silence from the cross during most of th these three hours. It was near the end of these three hours of darkness that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This was his God more than any man who ever lived. No man had ever had a relationship with God like Jesus had. As the sinless, spotless Son of God, the man Christ Jesus had experienced intimate fellowship and communion with his Father every day of his life. And up until this hour, he had always been one with the Father. He had always pleased his Father, and he had always been heard 
by his father. There had never been a break of any kind in his communion with his God. But now, in his hour of greatest need, his father had forsaken him. The repetition emphasizes the agony and grief of his soul. My God, my God! We cannot even imagine the grief of the Son of Man in knowing that his God, whom he had perfectly served his entire life, had now forsaken him. He asked questions for which he knew the answers, but he was here crying out for his God unmistakably and powerfully. Though his God had forsaken him for a time, he was not in any way turning away from his God. Our Lord continued to pray even though no comfortable answer came. And in this, he set us an example of his own words, men ought always to pray and not to faint. No midnight is too dark to pray in. And no delay or apparent denial of prayer should cause us to cease from calling upon our God. So how is it that the Lord Jesus Christ was forsaken by his God and Father? Verse 3 gives us the answer. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. He understood why the holy God had forsaken him because he was buried under the weight of our sins. He became sin for us as our iniquities were laid upon him. It pleased the Father to bruise him, to put him to grief, and to forsake him. He became infinitely guilty, fearful, lonely, and condemned for the only time in his life because of our sins. He suffered these things in infinite quantity and quality though only for a finite period of time. He suffered the equivalent of an eternity in hell for all the elect in the space of a few hours. None of us can imagine the spiritual pain and suffering of the cross of Jesus Christ. So it was for our sins that he was forsaken in his hour of greatest need. In verses 4 and 5, Jesus continues to cry out to his God. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. The Lord Jesus Christ here reminds his father that God had always delivered the Jewish fathers when they called upon the Lord. God had always been faithful to them. But these words, by these words, the suffering Son of Man is asking his Father why there was no deliverance for him when he too had faithfully trusted in his God. He was crying out to his God, why was there no deliverance for him? The answer is found in verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. One might ask, how could the Lord of glory be brought to such depths as to be not just lower than angels, but lower than man. Such is the awfulness and terribleness of sin. Jesus was not worthy of deliverance on this occasion. As he bore our sins, he deserved the judgment and wrath of Almighty God rather than deliverance. He was a worm to be crushed and bruised for our iniquities. 
It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. How utterly did the Savior empty himself of all glory and become of no reputation for our sakes. Sin is worthy of all reproach and contempt. And for this reason, Jesus, as our sin bearer, was given up to be thus unworthily and shamefully entreated. Going on in the psalm, Jesus sees his enemies around the cross. Verses 7 and 8. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. These verses are fulfilled in Matthew 27. The Jewish leaders were not content to have him crucified. They followed him to the cross to mock and ridicule him as he died by crucifixion. Here the cruel taunt is aimed at our Lord's great faith in his God. How painful that must have been for our Lord to hear the rulers of his people mocking his very trust in his God. What contradiction of sinners were leveled against the Son of God. But our Lord does not defend himself against those hurling the jeers and mockery. Instead, he reminds his Father that he had indeed trusted in his God throughout his life. In verses 9 and 10, But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. The Son of Man reminds his father that contrary to the scorn of the Jewish leaders, he had trusted in his God from the very womb. There had never been a time when he had not trusted in his God. He had trusted in God from the earliest and weakest moments of his life. Also, his God had always taken care of him. And even in these words, the Son of God is begging his Father to help him by reminding him that he had always helped him even, in, even when he had trusted in his God. If his God was with him from birth, the weakest, most needy time of life, why would he not be with him in this his hour of greatest need? But there was no help for the Lord Jesus Christ while on the cross. The Son of Man now turns to petition his God about his enemies all around him. In verse 11, But be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. Though the Son of Man had been forsaken, yet his prayer did not cease to be for his God to help him. He reminds his father that trouble is near, and indeed his enemies were right there around the foot of the cross. He also cries out to his God that there was none to help. He was alone. There was no help. While an angel had strengthened him in the garden, there were no angels to comfort the Son of Man on the cross. His disciples had forsaken him. Peter had denied him. Judas had betrayed him. And now his father had forsaken him. Truly there was no help for the Son of God. As the Son of Man hung there with nails fixing him to the cross, naked and alone, the high priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the rulers of the people encircled him, voicing their blasphemous hatred for him like strong bulls, 
and vicious lions, we can well understand his continuing plea to his God, be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. But there was no answer, and there was no help for the Son of Man. Turning from his enemies, our Lord describes his own personal condition in language that should move us greatly. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. To whom is the Son of Man making these, this complaint? To his God alone. And he does over and over again throughout these 21 verses. Notice his physical, physical sufferings. The Son of God was utterly spent as water poured out upon the earth. His joints were dislocated from the weight of his body being borne by his hands and feet. The intense pain of the cross made his heart to feel like melted wax. He was weak and without strength. He was thirsty and dehydrated, and he knew that death was coming soon. These are the physical sufferings of the Son of Man in his own words. Death by crucifixion was a horrible death to die. This section, just like those that come before and after, is another plea for help from his God as we hear him say, And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. As the Son of Man hung upon the cross, suffering for our sins in our place, he continuously cried out to his Father for help and deliverance. By describing his physical suffering to his God, he hoped to find mercy and deliverance, but there was no help for him and God at this time. May we be like-minded in our difficulties and distresses to never get so caught up in our problems as to forget to cry out to our God for help. The Son of Man did not forget, though he was not comforted or delivered while on the cross. Going on, our Lord sees other enemies at the foot of the cross. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Here our Lord refers to the Romans who were his executioners. Not only were his own people, had, not only has his own people rejected him, but the governing Romans had turned their backs on him to crucify him unjustly. Driving nails through his hands and feet, they fastened him to the wooden cross, which was then dropped into a hole and secured in the ground. The position of his body hanging on the cross enabled those watching to count his bones, which could be seen through his skin. His Roman executioners cruelly stared at him in his nakedness and shame. And in perfect fulfillment of the gospel accounts, the Roman soldiers parted his garments among them and cast lots for his coat because it was seamless. In recounting the actions of the Roman soldiers, the Lord Jesus again cries out to his God for deliverance from his tormentors, as verse 19 is closely connected to verse 18 by the word but. Perhaps his father will help him when he knows how many and how strong the enemies 
of the Son of God were who gathered together against him at the cross. Going on to verse 19, But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. The common theme that runs throughout these 21 verses is that Jesus continued to call out to his God for help even though there was no deliverance from the cross. Again, as in verse 11, he cries out for his God to be not far from him. Make haste to help me. The enemies in this section of verses are Satan and the powers of darkness. Around the cross, the powers of darkness and Satan himself attack the Lord Jesus in a spiritual yet invisible conflict. Notice the singular power of the dog and the singular lion's mouth, referring to Satan himself as being the greatest and most powerful enemy of Jesus of Nazareth. As Jesus had said just hours earlier in the garden, this is the hour of the power of darkness. No man has ever imagined, let alone endured, such a spiritual conflict for his soul as our Lord endured on the cross. His warfare with the powers of darkness around the cross is an aspect of his sufferings that is much more terrible than his physical sufferings, though it is often overlooked entirely. But he continued to cry out to his God for the only help that he had ever known. Right. In conclusion, Psalm 22 and these 21 verses show us the graphic sufferings of our Lord on the cross of Calvary. Sufferings that he endured for your sins and for mine. But thanks be to God, Psalm 22 does not end with verse 21. Though forsaken by God and rejected by men, our Lord Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He saw the fullness of joy and the pleasures forevermore at his Father's right hand, which enabled him to endure the sufferings of the cross. What effect should Psalm 22 have on us, his people? In its description of his death and suffering for us, Psalm 22 should move us to greatly appreciate the Lord Jesus Christ and his gracious salvation for his elect. This psalm should remind us how his sorrow and suffering in all respects puts the proper measurement on the terribleness of sin. And this psalm should teach us how Jesus trusted God's will, laid hold of promises by faith, and waited for the certain reward. They bound the hands of Jesus in the garden where he prayed. They led him through the streets in shame. They spat upon the Savior, so pure and free from sin. They said, crucify him. He's to blame. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you 
and me. Amen. Amen.